have a lot to say through the Word of God, not a lot of time to do it. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Today we continue our series entitled Tempted, and uh, we're going to consider the temptation of Eve in the garden this morning. Genesis chapter 3, today we'll consider verses 1 through 6. If you have your Bible, go with me there to the book of Genesis. Uh, it's the last book in the Bible, right? It's somewhere in the middle, somewhere. Look at the table of contents to find the book of Genesis if you must. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. When you have it, say, I got it. Boy, is it humid today or what? Wow. Wow, I woke up today. I walked out of my garage. And I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm in uh, Cancun. All right. Let's read. I've never been to Georgia, but maybe you can tell it better. Ready? Read. Now the serpent was more crafty. Wait, can y'all read sitting down or do you need to stand? No? Are you good sitting down? All right, demonstrate you can read sitting down. Ready? Read. Now the serpent was more crafty that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Verse 3. But God said... You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw... And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Let's ask God to please help us today. We're going to need his help. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech, and give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and grace to apply. Lord, we are in desperate need of your word today. Speak to your people, Lord. Challenge us where we stand. Help us, Lord, I pray, to see the devices of our adversary, that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, and Lord, ultimately walk in victory over temptation. This is our prayer today in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Now, let's move quickly. Understand a few things. I like to lay a foundation as we begin. Let's lay a foundation here. Understand a few things about temptation. Number one, temptation is not sin. Brother, please go. Temptation is not sin. We know that temptation is not sin because Eve was tempted before she fell, and so was Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted, yet he was without sin. And so understand, church, that temptation, when we deal with the issue of temptation theologically, you must understand that temptation in and of itself is not sin. You are going to be tempted. That does not mean that you're in sin. Some people liken temptation to sin. They actually believe that temptation is synonymous with sin. They think that if they're being tempted, then they're in sin already. That is not the case. Somebody say temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. And how many are tempted every day to sin? Every hand should go up. You're tempted every day to sin against God. You're tempted every day to doubt the word of the Lord. But understand first, temptation is not a sin. If you're being tempted, congratulations, you're human. All right. Secondly, understand that temptation, when, under, when dealing with temptation, we need to understand that temptation is a disorienting experience. That's what it does. It comes to disorient us. Okay. 
And it does so by presenting evil to us as something that is good. Okay? When we are tempted, ultimately Satan is trying to disorient us by presenting to us something that is evil and portraying it as something that is good. This is what he did with Eve in the garden. And so destruction oftentimes comes dressed up, uh, appearing to look like happiness. I'll say that again. Destruction comes to us dressed up like happiness. There's destruction behind that temptation. You don't see it for what it is, but that's what temptation does. It comes to disorient us by presenting something evil that looks like it's good. Thirdly, understand that sin only occurs when we believe the lie that that temptation can actually grant us happiness. It's a lie. The temptation, watch this now, the temptation is to believe that whatever we're being tempted to do against God, that it's actually going to fulfill a desire in us that we think is missing and so you have to see it for what it is that's when we fall into sin when we believe the lie that that thing that we're being tempted to do can actually make us happy now you can interchange the word happy with fulfilled that it can make you content that it can make you satisfied whether it's sexually uh, in your marriage life financially emotionally mentally all across the board the deception here uh, comes in sin happens when we believe the lie that doing that thing is going to satisfy whatever need or desire that God has created us with. Please understand that God has created you with with desires, the desire to be happy, the desire to have joy, the desire to have peace. God created you that way. All those things, all of those desires, most of our desires are God-given. What Satan comes to do is he comes to fulfill those desires with sin and perversion. And so ultimately, Satan, all he has to do, he's not going to change your desires. He's going to present you with something evil that in order to deceive you into believing that what he gives to you will fulfill that desire. It's a trap. People end up uh, addicted to drugs, not because uh, ultimately not because they want to be addicted to drugs. They end up addicted to drugs because they're trying to satisfy a desire. So what Satan does is he comes and he presents to them an alternative to God's prescription. You see, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan. Yes, I know that sounds cliche today, but God's plan is to give you purpose, is, is to give you joy, peace, all of the fruit of the Spirit. God can and will provide those things, but Satan will come and will lead you to believe that those things can be found or pursued outside of God. And so it's when we begin to pursue those things outside of God that we fall into sin. Are you following me here so far? And so, in other words, what Satan comes to do is he comes to present to us a mirage. Somebody shout mirage. How many know what a mirage is? Raise your hand if you know what a mirage is. What is a mirage? What is a mirage? Uh, now, I like it. When I, when I hear the word mirage, I think about cartoons. Back when cartoons used to be good, back when cartoons were like Wile E. Coyote. How many know what I, the Roadrunner and things like that, right? Right? Uh, that's when, when I think of a mirage, I think about that. I think about a cartoon. I, I can see a man in a desert, right? He's parched, he's thirsty, and he's in need of water. I think this might be a little more for second service, but I'll say that again. It, it, it's when a man or a woman is parched and thirsty. This generation knows what that means. They're, they're thirsty. And so what happens is because they're under duress and because they have a need, a legitimate need... They see a mirage. They hallucinate. They see something that is not there. You're not hearing me. They see something that's not there. The desire is real. But a mirage comes to present to us a vision of something that's not really there. 
I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, ulti- but ultimately this is what Satan comes to do. He presents, there is a moment, every temptation comes with a defining moment. It's a mirage moment. It's when Satan ultimately says, I'm going, it's when Satan ultimately presents to you a mirage, something that you, something that you believe will meet a real desire, a perceived desire, but the mirage, the temptation really is that mirage moment. And by that I mean that he's going to portray to you something that's not really there. He's going to portray to you something, and let me take it a step further. Uh, You can even know, you can even be familiar with the desert area and know that there's not really an oasis there. But when you see it, it'll lead you to believe that it's there. You know it ain't there, but Satan will present it to you in such a way that you believe that it is. Ah, I wish you'd hear me today by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, you know that that's not probably going to do it for you, but you believe that it just might. And so you end up doing what God told you not to do. In other words, you end up looking for happiness, satisfaction outside of God's purpose. See, that's what that mirage moment is. It's it's when we're tempted by a vision that promises, watch this now, happiness, not only happiness, but contentment, fulfillment, satisfaction. It promises those things outside of where God said it would be. Or in other words, we we look for it where God said it shouldn't be. You see, you you shouldn't find what you're looking for outside of your marriage covenant. You shouldn't be looking outside of God, but that's exactly what we do. We, 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 people still, because they're looking for ultimately provision, they think that it's not, that what they have is not enough. And so they look for what they need outside of God. And so the mirage is still to get ahead. And so they're trying to fulfill a need, but they do it outside of God. This is the mirage moment. And, we can, and we're going to see in the text, this is how Satan comes. This is how he tempted Eve because the enemy knows that there's a real desire there. The issue is not your desire. The issue is trying to fulfill that desire outside of God. The issue is not a desire. You need to understand this. The issue is not the desire. The issue is pursuing that desire outside of God. And Satan's always going to provide for you that mirage moment. He's going to provide for you a vision of something that you think is there, but it's not really there. Do you want to know that marriage, marriages fail because somebody thought that they would find something better? Y'all ain't talking to me in here right now. But, but this, is why, this is why people do certain things because they think that it would do it for them. And then after they do it, they end up with a hook in their mouth and realize it didn't even satisfy like I thought it would. This is how Satan works. That's that mirage moment. And so temptations moment, keep, keep following me, brother. Temptations moment is when we're faced with a choice between a compelling appearance and God's promise. There's always a choice between a compelling appearance and God's promise. And we're going to see this now. Go with me to the text now. Let's look at verse 1. In 1 through 3, we see this happen to Eve. Genesis chapter 3 illustrates for us a pattern that I believe is consistent with all the temptations that we face. Listen to this. In Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see a pattern that's consistent with all the temptations that we face. Satan would use the same pattern with Jesus when he took him to the pinnacle. The same exact pattern he would use with Christ. What he used against Eve, he would use against the Son of God. And if he used it against Eve, and and if he used it against Jesus, he's going to use it with you. Here's the thing about Satan. He doesn't have to reinvent the wheel with you. I know some of you think, man, I'm 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 so spiritually equipped. Satan has to try something new with me. He doesn't have to try anything new with you. 
He's going he's gonna to tempt you the same way. So you should be paying attention. You should be on your tippy toe saying, please help me today because I know I'm tempted every day. And if he's not going to reinvent the wheel with me, then I need to know how he strategically is going to tempt me to disobey God. You have to be equipped with the word of God. So in Genesis chapter 3, we see how he goes, how he goes about it. Look at verse 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to read. Just follow along in your Bible or on the screen. The word of the Lord says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say? Now, this isn't in the notes, but let me just pause here to say that I always trip out on this when I study Genesis. I always trip out on this. It's not enough that the, that the serpent was talking. Um, why, why was Eve even talking to snakes? Maybe that's for second service. Why are you even talking to snakes? I'll leave that one alone. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? You shall not eat of the tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So here we see the serpent shows up in the garden and questions Eve about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, Eve's explanation, watch this now, don't miss this. Eve's explanation to the serpent demonstrates that she understood God's promise. She could not claim ignorance just like you understand oftentimes God's promise. You understand what God has promised, and you understand what his word ultimately has asked you to do. It's not ignorance. You see, Eve understood God's promise. Eve understood God's direction and mandate. Eve understood God's warning. What did Eve tell the serpent? God said, we can eat of all the trees except for that one. And if we eat from that one, we're going to what? Somebody shout, we're going to die. We'll, we'll die. So uh, somebody say, Eve understood. She understood. Now look at verse 4. Here it is. Now, now in verse 4, here comes the, the, the temptation's moment. Here comes the mirage. Don't miss it. Verse 4. Here it comes. Ready? Read. But the serpent said to the woman. Okay, keep reading. For God knows. And you will what? Uh-huh. Knowing. Keep reading. Stop. There it is. There it is. You just missed it. I've said, I've said this for years. I need, to, I need to keep saying it. You can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. There it is. There's what? That moment. Every temptation comes with a moment. Her moment is right there in the text. Here it is. Then Eve saw. Saw what? Now, saw is in quotation marks because she was seeing something that wasn't really there. But after the deception and the temptation of Satan, she saw the tree in a, y'all ain't talking to me, she saw the tree in a different, ah, you see something happens in us. Once we take the bait that lies behind the temptation, you begin to see that act of sin in a different light. 
at one point you were faithful, at one point you were obedient, but then you begin to see that tree in a different light because after Satan tempts you, what he's ultimately doing to you is he's portraying, he's giving you a vision of something that you already know. You already know what God has said about it. You see, you can know what God says about a thing and Satan will come and tempt you to see that thing in a different light. That's why good preachers go bad. That's why good churches go bad. It's not that they're ignorant as to the warning of God and the promise of God. It's just that Satan Satan comes and tempts them to see that thing in a what? In a different. And so all of a sudden, come on, talk to me in here. So all of a sudden, that sin's not so bad. All of a sudden, we can ordain X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden, this is okay or permissible, even though you know what God has said and what God has warned you about. And so Satan doesn't come to do away with the tree. He just comes to paint the tree in a different picture. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. And so all of a sudden, he'll have you believe, and even though you know what God said, you know how God warned you, Eve, watch what happened. This is her moment. Somebody shout, this is her moment. And then Eve. Eve saw she saw she always knew she knew the tree was there but she saw the tree in a different light she saw something she didn't see before so 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 here's the breakdown let's break this down here's Here's the breakdown. Can we break this down shout hallelujah. Come on 8 o'clock. Can we break this down. We need this. Let's break this down. Number one. Let's begin with the breakdown. Let's break this down. What happened. ¿Qué pasó? What happened? Here it is. Uh, first of all, understand that she was being told something very different about the tree than what God told her. <laughs> Satan comes and says, right off the bat, did God really say? You got to apply this to your own walk. Eve was being told something very different about the tree from what God had told her about the tree. Just like today, Satan will tell you something very different about your marriage than what God has said about your marriage. Satan will tell you something different about your money than what God has said about your money. Why do you think people lie, cheat, and steal? Because Satan came and said something different than what God told you what to do. And see, that's all he has to do. See, Satan knows what God said. Let me help you with this. Satan knows the word better than you do. What? No. Yes, he does. He tempted the living word with his... With the word. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. She's being told something different than what God said. This, 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 this is all he has to do. Anytime Satan is going to tempt you, he's going to tell you something different about what you see than what God has said. I, I sense the spirit of God just, just really, really dealing with people. This is how you're being tempted right now, to see your marriage in a different light. It's not that the tree has changed, nor is it that God's word or promise has changed. What's changed is your perception. And so that's why people quit. That's why people fall out. That's why people fall into sin, because they begin to see it in a different light. Let me, let me, let me, let me bring it home, because you're looking at me like, like if you're not understanding, you begin to see her in a different light. You begin to see him in a different light. Or you begin to see it in a different light. You see, before it was like, no, I'm not, I can't touch that. But all of a sudden, it's like, mm, maybe I can. You know what God said. You know what God warned you about. But you do it anyway. Why? Because Satan is painting it to you in a different light. Are you following me here so far? So understand, she was told something different. Secondly, the tree suddenly <laughs> looked different to her. 
And she felt different about it. Emphasis on two things. Number one, the tree looked different. Number two, she felt different about it. This is how it begins. When, you, when, you, when you're in danger, when you begin to look at that thing differently and when you begin to feel differently about it. You know how many people I've met over the years that at one point were solid, but then, then they, just, they, just, they just had, they apparently had a change of heart, a change of mind. It's like, wait a minute, what happened? This is what happened. Things began to look different to them, and once things look different to you, they're going to feel different to you. I wish you'd hear me. Once it looks different, it's going to feel different. Whew. I don't know if y'all are quiet because this is because it's, because it's in your neighborhood. I don't, I, I, I don't know if you're quiet because you're, you're truly perceiving what it is that's being taught here today. But this is a reality. I've been here. How many have experienced this? Just be honest. Tell on yourself right now. How many were tempted? Okay, let, 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 let me rephrase the question. How many have ever been tempted to sin and then you failed and you actually fell into sin? Who hasn't raised their hand here? Who's without sin here? We've all been tempted and failed, right? Right? Say amen if you've been tempted and you fell for it. Okay, what happened? How many were tempted to sin even though you knew that it was wrong? Why'd you do it then? See, see why do we get quiet when, when, it's, when it's time to get answers? Why'd you do it? Brother Andres, you're smiling. Are you comfortable with it? Why'd you do it? You knew it was wrong, but why'd you do it? Let me tell you why you did it. You don't need to go outside of the word. Stick to the word of God. Here's why you did it. Because you began to look at that thing differently. And once you look at a thing differently, you're going to feel differently about what you're looking at. It's that same raggedy old sin. But you're just looking at it <laughs> differently. It's that same raggedy. It's that same ugly girl you work with. She's ugly as bad as before. See, oh, see, now you're following me. Man, she's still ugly. She's been ugly since day one. But now you're looking at her in a different light. My God. I sense the spirit of God helping me now. And you even say things like, I never really noticed her. Nah, it's not that you never really noticed her. It's because you were being faithful to the Lord and your marriage covenant. But now that you're looking at things differently, guess what? What happens after you look at something different, you begin to feel different about what you're looking at. Sex outside of marriage or sex, yeah, sex outside of marriage, it's wrong. Sleeping with somebody outside of marriage, it's wrong. But once you begin to look at it differently, you're going to feel differently about it too. Is this too real here? Come on, y'all are like, oh, don't go there, don't go there, don't hit me there. I didn't come for all this. Let's go there. I'm so glad you came to church today. I know y'all are regretting it now, but that's too bad. Once you're here, you're here. No refunds. In all seriousness, I want you to consider how you begin to look at that thing differently. You weren't born with a needle in your vein. You weren't born with a bottle in your hand. You weren't born an alcoholic. I don't care what society tells you. 
Now, I don't care what your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather did. When we come to Christ, Calvary breaks every chain of bondage. And let me tell you something else. The blood of Jesus. Are, these people running around telling people, well, if your father did it, you're going to do it. No, no, the devil is a liar. When you come to Jesus, the blood of Jesus washes you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And every curse has been broken off of your life. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. My daughters aren't going to carry my sin. The devil is a liar. They will serve and fear the Lord their God. I'm bound, I'm bound to be a drunkard. My dad was a drunk. The devil is a liar. You don't have to be a drunk, nor does your son have to be a drunk. Shout hallelujah if you're in the house. Don't let some, don't let some, don't let some two-bit preacher convince you that you have a curse over your life. How, how can Satan curse what God has blessed? I said, how can Satan curse what God has blessed? That ain't in the notes, but somebody needs to hear that. No, what's going on is you were tempted and you failed. And why'd you, why'd you fail? Because it began to look differently. And once you look at it differently, you're going to feel differently about it. Thirdly, let's break this down. Thirdly, she was tempted. You're doing great, brother. She was tempted to hope in something different than God's promise. Satan says, did God really say? You see, God knows that once you eat from that fruit, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like him. Get this. Today we say, I want to be more like him. You're not following. I've said it all. Uh, this is my desire. I want to be more like Jesus. Who wants to be more and more like Jesus, right? That's a good thing. Don't be scared. Now you're scared to raise your hand. Should I not raise my hand here? I don't want to be like Eve. No, who wants to be more like him? You all should want to be. We should all want to be more like him. Shout amen if you're here at 8 o'clock. We should want to be more like him. Guess what? Satan, watch this now. Satan will take a God-given desire. Satan tells her, God knows you're going to be like him. What, Satan didn't, what, what, what Eve didn't realize is that she already was. See, so Satan will take a God-given desire. We want to be like him. And he says, God knows you're going to be like him. That's what he does. So she was tempted to hope in something different than God's promise. Just like you're tempted to hope in something different than God's promise. That hope, hope's a powerful thing. You better believe hope's a powerful thing. Satan knew that if he could, watch this now, Satan knew that if he could change the meaning of the tree for Eve from the curse of death to a happy life, I'm going to say it again. Satan knew that if he could change the meaning of the tree from a curse to the key to a happy life and being like God, then the tree would stop being dangerous and it would begin to look desirable. You see, God told him, don't eat from that tree or less you'll surely die. That's what he said, you'll surely die. So Satan comes, watch this now, Satan comes, tempts her to look outside of what God has promised to the point where the tree no longer is dangerous, but it becomes desirable. And if you don't take anything else home, please hear me. That's the mirage. That's temptation's moment when what is dangerous becomes desirable. Playing with sin, you know what you're doing. Stepping out on God, you know what you're doing. But it's no longer dangerous. It's desirable to you. And this is all Satan has to do. He didn't remove the tree. He didn't have to change the fruit of the tree. All he had to do 
was make it desirable to her. Are you following? You ask people afterwards, once they're in prison, once they're doing life, once they're hooked on whatever they're hooked on, some, what, 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 and uh, you, you ask them, well, what, 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 how'd you end up here? And then they realize in hindsight, it, it, it just, it, 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 it looked good. It tasted good. It felt good. But then they realize afterwards, don't allow Satan to convince you that what God has marked as dangerous. Don't allow him to convince you that it's desirable. Some of you today, maybe this is for second service, some of you today are walking in dangerous territory. Let me put it to you another way. You're in danger because what you're seeing has become desirable to you when God has truly marked that thing as prohibited. Hands off. Not only hands off, eyes off. Are y'all in the house? Shout hallelujah if you're still here. And this isn't only for adults, for kids too. Because kids today have cell phones in their pocket too. Kids today are exposed to things that we were never exposed to. Now we were exposed to all kinds of junk too. But guess what? You had to find it on the road. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Kids today, they don't need to find a dirty magazine. They got it in their pocket. Is this too real for us? It's too early in the morning for this kind of discussion. And I remember Elder Brown, I remember just walking along the way and I found in the bushes a magazine, walking home from school one day. Listen to what I'm telling let me be candid with you. I'm very open with you. I was walking home from school one day and I saw in the bushes a, 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 a tore up dirty magazine. There, there was just tiny little, it was just torn into pieces, but they were big enough. So I'm walking, I'm like, what's that? I saw something, I pick it up and I look and I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I, y'all ain't talking to me. And then I, then I'm a scavenger hunt. I turn into Dora the Explorer. Huh? It's like, oh, what's that? What? What? What's this? Oh, look at that. See, but today, this generation, they don't have to go. They don't have to become Dora the Explorer. All they have to do is hit click. And so what Satan comes to do is he takes a God-given desire yeah, because God created you to desire those things. He takes a God-given desire, perverts it, and wants you to look at it in a different way so that you can pursue it outside of God's promise. Why are young people having sex before marriage? Because they're convinced that something good can be had outside of God's purpose. And so that's why they lay down with them before they have a ring on their finger because they want something good. Yeah, God created it as something good, and they want what's good outside of God. I'm preaching better than your amen right now. They want what's good outside of God. You see, the, the fruits, the, what Eve saw, it was what she always knew was there, but the moment she saw it in a different light, that's when what was dangerous became desirable. Satan is trying to get you to see that thing differently. What would happen if people saw that bottle of liquor with a huge warning label on the front that said death? You're right. They might still drink it. Some might drink it faster too. But here's the point. Satan never, ever tempts you that way. God-given desires we seek and pursue outside of God. You see, you want to be happy. Let me help you here. Nobody wants to be unhappy. Who here wants to be happy? Be honest. Don't you lie. I want to be happy. I like being happy. 
Who, who, don't you like being fulfilled? Don't you like feeling good about yourself? Everybody does. Nobody likes feeling terrible about themselves. Man, that's one thing that weight loss has given to me. Boy, I get up, I put on a shirt, it fits. I just cleaned out my closet. I, get, I took all kinds of clothes. But listen, I didn't just throw those, those things away. I tried every shirt on because God forbid that I throw something on that I paid for. I'm too cheap for all that, Elder Brown. No, and my wife was like, that's not going to fit you. I said, I don't care. Give me, I'm going to put it on. I stayed up all night long trying on every shirt in that closet. I don't care if it was 3X, 4 I don't care. Let me have it. It might still fit me. I don't care. And there I was putting it on every single garment one at a time. But that feels good to say, oh, this doesn't fit. Praise God. Wow, that's great. Felt good. We all want to feel good. We want to be happy. We want to be blessed. The danger is seeking that outside of God. And this is, a, this is a very simple yet a bitter pill for us to swallow oftentimes. You're looking for fulfillment outside of God. Let me help you with something. And I'm, gonna, I'm, and I'm even going to take what's good. Because sometimes even what's good, we, we, we think that just because it's good, we think that it can take the place of God. Your marriage is great. Thank God for a great marriage. But your husband wasn't made to fulfill your soul that way. The moment you begin to depend on a man to fill the void of your soul, you are in danger. Only God. Let me help you. Your wife can't fill that void in your soul. I don't care how great she cooks. I don't care how beautiful she is. I don't care how much of a woman of faith she is. She can't fill the longing of your soul. Only the Holy Spirit of God can fill that longing of your soul. You can have a great vacation. You can have all the money you could ever want. You can have the best car, the best house, the best clothes, the best everything. And still there's going to be a God-sized void in your soul that's going to bring you back to center and say, God, None of this is working. Only you can satisfy. The Westminster Catechism says the following. What is the chief end of man? To worship God, to enjoy him forever. That's the end of man, to love God, to worship him, to know him and enjoy him forever. This is the chief end of man, to enjoy God. Think of that forever. Satan knew all he had to do was change the meaning of the tree for Eve. So Satan manipulated, let's finish. So Satan manipulated, and then I'm going to exhort you. Satan manipulated Eve's God-given desire to be happy, and he used it against her. He used it against her. That's all he had to do. He used it against her. Used it against her. I just want to be happy. I know you do. God made you that way. Right? But pastor, I just want to be happy. Good for you. That's normal. You ain't weird. That's good. That's normal. So do I. Here's the thing. Satan's going to tell you, that's not dangerous. Your happiness is found in that tree that God told you not to touch. You're going to be happy. And here, here's what's sad. Once, once you fall into the, into the temptation, you realize that didn't do it either. Then what? You took it. You tasted it. You're still miserable. You still have a void. And now you're looking at her like, man, I thought you were going to do it for me. I guess you didn't. I need something better. I need someone different. Wrong. They're going to be just as miserable as that one. And so are you. If I just had more money, man, man, you're just going to spend it on other junk that you don't need. And it's not going to fulfill you either. You're just going to be lonely in a bigger house. This is good preaching right here. I promise you it is. 
You're just going to be lonely in a bigger house. Lonely in a nicer car. We got to finish. Satan enticed you to pursue a God-given desire outside of God. So what must I do? Here's the exhortation. Here's what the word of God comes to do. Exhort us. So what must I do? Number one, take this down as we go home. Junior, come. Number one, recognize and resist temptation's moment. Every temptation has a moment. Eve, it was when she saw, and Eve saw the tree. She saw it in a different light. That's her moment. Don't, don't, don't miss that. What, what can I do, preacher? Recognize and resist temptation's moment. There's always a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Give me the word, please. I want to read this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Do you have it? Let's read it before we go home. Ready? Read. So that we would not be out. For we are not. I love this. This is the wily Coyote of 2 Corinthians right here. Ready? So that you would not be what? Out. Tom and Jerry comes to my mind. I think that way. You remember Tom and Jerry? You remember Tom and Jerry? You don't know Tom and Jerry, Caroline. You're too old. You're too young for that. You remember Tom and Jerry? Who was always getting outwitted? The dog. Wait, you're in the wrong cartoon, brother. Who was always getting outwitted? The cat, Tom, right? And Jerry, that little mouse, was always what? What was he always doing? La- wasn't he always laughing at the brown? If you look at Tom and Jerry, Jerry's always laughing. He's always, he has a smile on his face. Here's the word for us. Ready? Don't be outwitted. Woo, I love that. Don't be outwitted by Satan. Don't be ignorant of his designs. What, what can I do, preacher? Recognize those moments of temptation. Recognize them for what they are and don't be outwitted. Number two, what can I do? Identify the false hope that temptation offers. And here, here's, real, here's where it gets applicable for us. Ready? Ask yourself, what is this really promising me? My God, what would happen, Sal, if you begin to look at every temptation? What is this promising me? Because every, every temptation comes with a false promise. Every temptation comes with a false promise. You're tempted to steal? What's it promising you? No, it ain't promising you jail. You'll get there, but that's not what it's promising. Trust me, if it was promising you jail, you wouldn't do it. No, easy money. That's quick. So you got to ask yourself, what is this promising me? What's it promising me that I know it can't really provide? You got to learn how to ask yourself this. What is this promising me? This is, see, let me tell you, this is where we fail right here. This is where I failed. Here's why. Because this requires self-examination. This requires that I be honest about my wants and desires. This isn't the kind of pulpit you pound on, but this is where we have to say, what is it that I'm really looking for? What am I missing that I think she's going to provide for me? What's this promising? got to ask yourself what is this promising thirdly you got to fight false hope because it's false hope with the true hope and what is that the word of god this is how you contend it's with the word of god jesus said it is 
written, it's written, it's written, it's written, it's written. See, Satan presents false hope, but you stand on true hope. What's true hope? The word of God. Somebody shout the word of God. Somebody shout the word of God. It's, it's, it's true hope. Lastly, what must I do? Lastly, we're done. Remember that temptations are never truly as strong as they feel. The power of temptation lies solely. Don't forget this. The power of temptation lies solely in the false hope that they produce in you. That's where, it's, that's where it gets its power from. You're not getting that. That's where it gets its power from. That false hope. The power of temptation lies in what, it, what it's producing in you. The hope that it's going to be what? That it's going to be better. Y'all have heard this a thousand times. The grass isn't. You've heard the saying. Come on. You, you, got, the, you got a coffee cup that says it. It's the grass. What? Help me, sister. The grass isn't. Somebody said, water your own grass. Pay attention to your own backyard. Thank you, sister. Satan doesn't have to reinvent the wheel with us. What you looking at? All he has to do is make that tree turn into something that it's not. Until what is dangerous becomes desirable to you. Bow your hearts. Father, help us. We need, we need, we need, we need your grace. Oh, Lord, we need your help. The serpent came and tempted Eve, deceived her into believing that she could pursue a God-given desire outside of God's promise and provision. Forgive us, Lord, for seeking, for pursuing God-given desires 